thank you for listening to the Ask the Pastor podcast. This is a segment of the West Hills podcast where you have the opportunity to ask and receive biblical answers on your questions from our lead pastor, Will Duvall. I'm your host, Thaddeusa, and I'm really excited to dive into today's segment. Today's segment is a two-part series recorded at a relationship workshop hosted by West Hills, answering the question, what does a biblical marriage look like? Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So uh, just a good practical takeaway principle here is uh, marry well. You want to marry well. You only get one shot at it, so shoot for the stars. Um, The goal is you both end up walking away feeling like you must have pulled something over on the other one because you don't know how you swung her and she doesn't know how she swung you. It always ends up in our favor, though, guys. They're always better than you, so. Uh, Proverbs 21.9, women are just less sinful than men. It's just a fact. Uh, Proverbs 21.9, it is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. So that's the flip side of Proverbs 18. That's what you're not looking for if you're looking to marry well, is uh, a woman who drives you up to the corner of, of the house to get away from her. Proverbs 31, the classic text on a Proverbs 31 woman, uh, an excellent wife who can, who can find she is far more precious than jewels. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but, will, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It's one of those, again, really hard things, just about, you know, um, and maybe, maybe if there's something redemptive about the fact that people are pushing off marriage, maybe it's less sort of hormone-driven than it would have been once upon a time when you're you know, 15 or 16 year old, years old making that decision. Um, because the reality is she's going to get saggy. And if you marry for charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, and you will get saggy, but a, a woman who fears the Lord and who get, is like a fine wine, you know, she gets better with age. And uh, because her relationship with the Lord grows closer, more intimate with age, and that, if that's what attracts you to her, to him, um, then, again, you're on the right track to marry well. Proverbs 19, 14, house and wealth are inherited from the Lord, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Or, sorry, inherited from fathers. Did I say that? House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. You can, you can inherit money. You can't get a good wife from anyone but God. You can't get a good husband from anyone but God. Um, I've got, for my takeaway here, be careful who you choose. This is, keep in mind, this is the second biggest decision you ever make in your life. If you're not married yet, second biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. Uh, and, and, and like like we said, you only get to make it once. You should only make it once, and so make it count. This is five twenty one through thirty three, probably one of the most familiar passages uh, about marriage. Most important. Uh, most important. Preached at every Christian wedding. Every Christian wedding. Um, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and it and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also the wife should submit in everything to her husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, 
that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love, should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it, it refers to Christ and the church. However, let, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she, that she respects her husband. A lot there, we're going to break it down verse by verse. Uh, verse 21, the most important ingredient in a healthy marriage is mutual selflessness. Submit to one another. Mutual submission is key. Uh, the easiest way to screw up a marriage is to seek your own interest. Earlier we talked about love is patient, love is kind. If that's not a key component in the marriage, uh, there's going to be a lot of tough times if you're not looking out for your spouse's best interest. A married person can't continue to live like a single person. It would be very unwise for me to go and stay out past 2 in the morning every night like I did when I was in college against the rules of the school I was at, and then coming back, and then coming back home, like, my wife would be furious at me. It would make no sense for me to continue to do that, because that's not me looking out for her best interest. Uh, so, <laughs> ladies, my, the takeaway principle, I think, for us, from, for you here, um, verses 22 to 24, wives submit to your husbands, is, um, ladies, you're looking for someone to whom you can joyfully submit. Um, the reality here is, uh, just at the end of the day, there's there's no two ways around it. Um, you know, there there are different two fundamentally posed different worldviews at play here, and this is this just happens to be one of those issues where, uh, for most of human history. People wouldn't have batted an eye at Ephesians 5.22, but um, in the last 50 years in this country, uh, obviously this is, this is one where the culture of the day has, has really uh, done a 180. And um, at the end of the day, we just as, as Christians, we have to decide whether we're going to align ourselves with a biblical worldview and set of values or a cultural one. The Bible is very clear that God created men and women equally in worth and value and dignity, equally in his image, but differently. And that is a sin in our world today to say that, that um, it really is like, I mean, and some of that is just because of our own like sinful fallen brokenness that we can't do separate but equal right. And Brown versus the Board of Education proved that in this country. Separate but equal doesn't work when sinners try and do it. But when God does it, it works. <laughs> God can create separate but equal. God can make different but equal. Um, and that's what he did. Equal in 
equal in worth, equal in value, not equal in, in, in role though. And so we each have unique roles to play in a marriage relationship. Wives are called here clearly and not just here. In Colossians 3 and um, 1 Timothy, uh, wives are called to a degree, a different degree of submission. Yes, you know, God, God calls us here to mutual submission, but there's a, 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 an emphasis here in verses 22 through 24 as a Christ, and Paul uses the analogy of the church submitting to Christ. That's a, that's a pretty extreme analogy for the way that he's calling wives to submit uh, to their husbands. I think, you know, one of the things we have to keep in mind here, emphasize is that, you know, again, submission has become, submission just in and of itself, the idea of submission is a dirty word in our culture, and that's because, um, you know, whatever the, the highest sin in a culture is going to be is going to be the thing that violates or affronts the highest good. So, you know, that makes sense in a day and age in a society like ours where the chief virtue is expressive individualism, radical personal autonomy, freedom, personal freedom, like, uh, you know, that if that is the highest good, then submission by definition is trying, is anything that put, would put a cap on that, like you expressing yourself and just, you know, being who you, you want to be at any given moment. Um, submission can't be a bad thing because Jesus did it. And Jesus says a lot of times that he submits to the Father. So submission doesn't mean weakness. You could think of the example of self-control. I mean, what is self-control other than a submission of your fleshly will to your conscience or to the Spirit of God at work in you? But to be self-controlled isn't weak. On the contrary, to be self-controlled is a sign of greater strength. So uh, submission is a sign of strength. Um, the practical implications, and I can give you a number of real-world examples from, from our marriage. Um, moving to St. Louis. Adoption. I mean, Paul and I are, are trying to pursue adoption right now. At the end of the day, you know, there are some decisions where you, in, if you're married or if you're on track to if you one day are married, uh, will be married, um, you know, you'll, you'll face decisions where sometimes a call has to be made, right? And you talk it out and you love and you mutually submit and respect and try and get on the same page and you talk and talk and talk and you get to the end of it and a decision still got to get made. I think this is where uh, this comes in. Someone's got to make that final call. And uh, lest, you know, and again, Gen Genesis 3, God already predicted that, that with Eve, as a part of the kind of the curse and, and prophecy, that she would strive for her husband. In other words, she would want to have his place and yet he'll rule over you. So you have, like, in the wake of the fall, both the, the, the early <coughs> roots of the feminist movement uh, taking place in Eve's heart, as well as the early roots of male chauvinism taking place in Adam's, part, in, in Adam's heart. 
But both of those things, you know, male domineerism and female, you know, wanting to wear the pants in a relationship, or however you want to call it, I think are clearly here in Ephesians 5, Genesis 3, uh, those are the, the ditches on either side of the road that we're trying to stay away from um, as Christians. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says we all must answer for every deed done in the flesh. And that means that husbands are going to be called to a different standard. I mean, James 3.1 says not many of you should should desire to be leaders because leaders will be called according to a different stand, judged according to a different standard. Um, that's true of husbands, necessarily so. You know, whether, whether that's the way your marriage is being run or not, whether you are stepping up and leading or not, that's the way God sees it and God is going to view it and judge it. And so I guess I say that in, in terms of um, if, if, there is, if there are any 21st century women in the house tonight um, to just assure you that this is not a enviable position that God has, has given your husband or your, your future husband or whatever because he's going to be judged stricter according to a different standard because he's being called to to lead you in a different kind of way. So, uh, which flows into verses twenty-five through thirty. Guys, find someone whom you can selflessly care for. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, I've never been to a wedding where the bride intentionally like looked bad or ugly. Uh, she tries to look good. It's it's her wedding day. So the problem, you know, it isn't beauty on the wedding day. The husband, the, the door's open or whatever, the bride comes down, and there she is in all her beauty. And I'm assuming that every husband at that moment has every good intention, like, this is going to be my wife. I am going to care for her. But the problem isn't radiance or beauty. The problem is that some days she could be grumpy or irritable, or annoying, or withdrawn, but we look to this passage and we don't focus on those flaws that she had, but more so we look and see that Christ didn't love us because we were radiant or beautiful or worth loving. He loves us in order to make us radiant or beautiful. Philippians 2 is all about Christ's humility and coming to earth to die not because he deserved it, but because we deserved it. He put our needs before his own. And that's the standard that Paul puts in here for husbands. Like, hey, your wife, her needs always come before yours. A husband is to love his wife unconditionally, not just when she's looking great and treating him well, but even when she's saggy, as Will talked about earlier. <laughs> or treating you poorly or not necessarily doing what you think she should be doing around the house, but husbands should have the same agenda as Christ. And that is to make her holy and blameless and to help her grow as a Christian. One of the, one of the greatest things for me um, at a previous position that I held is every time I would leave 
the pastor there would say to all the men in the church, he would say, love your wife. Like, that was the last instruction he was going to give every husband leaving the church building or a lunch. Love your wife. Because the husband is going to be held to a higher standard. His job is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And if you're not ready for that, you know, going back to that dating, like if you're not ready to put someone else's needs before your own always, you're not ready to be married. Like it, it is serious. Like I have grown up joking about like that women submit to your husband thing, but the much harder part of that passage is for the husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church because of how much that means I have to selflessly care for my wife versus caring for my own needs. Yeah. I mean, if the analogy is like Paul said, verse 32, the mystery is profound. I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. Like if that's the analogy, again, keep it in perspective. If I get to pick which of those two I want to be, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll be the church because I can't be Jesus, you know, again, I mean, and, and I have to believe obviously that, that God is not judging us according to that standard and, and saying that every, but, and yet he, I mean, he is, he wants us to love our wives like Christ loved the church. And that uh, transitions to the both, the, the last sort of takeaway on Ephesians 5 for both of us, find someone you will die for every day. Find someone who you're who, who you just you're excited to die for. Um, I will wake up every day for the rest of my life and die to myself to serve you, to put your needs first, to to, to love you because that's what love means, right? Remember, it just says, "Greater love has no man than this." Then what? He laid down his life for his friends. Love is dying. Love is self-sacrifice. Love is being selfless. Um, this is how we know what love is. That Jesus died for us. First uh, Peter 3, uh, 1 through 7. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without the word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of the gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children. If you if you do good and and do not fear anything that is frightening, likewise, husbands, live for your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Good. So verses one and two here just again reiterates that idea of submissiveness inherently reflects the gospel, so submissiveness reflects the gospel. Uh, Peter says, wives, be subject to your own husbands. So again, not just that submission isn't a bad thing. Submission is a really, really good thing because it reflects the gospel. Again, if it was good enough for Jesus, wives, it ought to be good enough for you. Um, Husbands, it ought to be good enough for you as well. Submission 
you know, what, what's more submissive than Jesus saying in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done, O Lord. It was his submission to the Father that led him to the cross. Um, like, like Pat said, Philippians 2, uh, he didn't consider his, his godness something to be exploited, but rather voluntarily submitted. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down uh, in, in surrender to the Father and submission to the Father. And it also repeats Paul's admonition, again, sorry, Peter repeats Paul's admonition about submission and adds in this concept of missional marriage. So let's, let's keep in mind Paul's context here. These are first generation Christians. So that's what he's talking about there in verse one where he says, wives uh, be subject to them so that even if some of them don't obey the word, even if they're not Christians, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. So actions speak louder than words. Like, you can preach the gospel to them all day long, but if your actions don't align with it, you're just going to be that nagging, quarrelsome wife that drives them up to the corner of the house. So, better to just not say anything and just win them with the conduct uh, without a word by your conduct by submitting to them and saying, hey, uh, unless, you're, <laughs> unless you're trying to lead me or, 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 or to do something that goes against my conscience and the Holy Spirit and God's word, then I, I'm going to submit. So. Uh, verses 3 through 6, it, it may sound cliche, but it's what's on the inside that counts. Uh, it talks about putting on uh, jewelry, braiding the hair, and that's all well and good. But if on the inside, the wife is deceitful and wicked and quarrelsome, uh, that's not a good thing. He's saying beauty on the inside reflects more than beauty on the outside. It reflects a heart bent towards pleasing God, and that's much more desirable than someone who, who is going to, to get up and, and get all, all done or whatever. I'm not saying you, you can't look nice at all, but I'm saying like on the inside, what your heart reflects will more so reflect on the outside than just beauty, makeup, jewelry. Verse 7 of 1 Peter 3, um, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Again, one of those, we'll, we'll come back to this, West Hills, with our Tough Tech series here in a couple um, in a couple weeks, a couple Sundays. Because what is a tougher text, a more offensive text today, than show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel? I mean, that's just... Um, Offensive these days, but suffice it to say, without again a whole other sermon on this, I think weaker. So you'll just have to come back for the sermon. But I think weaker does not clearly mean spiritually, uh, emotionally. Clearly, doesn't mean she's more sinful. Um, I think it. I think it means physically. I think it just means that. 99.9% of guys in a, in a relationship can bench press more than the girl they're dating or married to. And um, so anyways, I, we'll, we'll come back and preach on that one more. But in any case, no matter what weaker means in context there, it does not mean lesser, right? Again, weaker does not mean lesser. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, I'll boast in my weaknesses because Jesus Jesus' power, his strength is made perfect and made manifest in my weakness. The weaker I am, the more God's got to make up for, and he's proven to be sufficient. So weaker, um, yeah, we're trying to 
see this passage in context and, and see how redemptive Peter's trying to be. So, Well, that's it for today's episode of Ask the Pastor. Part two of this segment will come out on Friday. And remember that you can ask your questions each week at the info bar at West Hills or by submitting them online through our website, westhillsstl.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. Have a great day.